Welcome to the Open Bedroom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Kalo. Welcome to conversations about open relationships, online dating, conscious uncoupling, and creating the relationship that truly aligns for you. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope that you do a couple things for us. Would you subscribe? Would you write a review? Maybe share us with your friends. And if you extra, extra like us, there's a link in the show notes here for my Patreon that does help pay for the creation of this podcast. And lastly, follow us on The Open Bedroom. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited today because I have Dora Bradford on and she is one of the Sex and Love co-coaches that I just graduated with. I met Dora live in Austin, I want to say December-ish of last year. It feels like it's been a year, but it's only been a few months. But oh my gosh, I feel like we bonded quickly. We were fast friends. We had lunches together and discussed our businesses and our dreams for building our sex and relationship coaching businesses. And so I'm excited to share her with you today. Dora is a women's health care provider, and she is now specializing in intimacy coaching. So Dora, would you take a minute and tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. And thank you, Jennifer, for having me here uh, today. Um, well, for a run, I am a divorced woman. I've been divorced for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. I have two adult children. Um, my daughter is a lawyer and my son is a poet. So I have <laughs> two wonderful children. Um, presently, I work full-time as a nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. and I've done that for over almost three decades. So I've done it for a long time. And mm-hmm. what led me to sexuality and intimacy coaching was all the needs that I saw in women when they came to me and they opened up about their issues with their partners and with their intimacy, which a lot of times they were afraid to talk to anybody or they felt like they couldn't talk to anyone about Mm -hmm. them. So that's what I discovered. I love that. I love my nurse practitioner and I imagine that you're very much like her. It's a safe space for me to go and ask any questions. I bring all my STI questions to her. I'm like... (laughs) how do you feel about this? And can you get this from that? And like, how often should I come in and see you? (laughs) Doesn't ever judge me. So I, I feel like you would be the same in the way that you kind of like hold space for your patients. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoy that part of my job. Yeah. I don't consider it a job anymore. You know, it's a service. Right. And it's your passion. Absolutely. Okay. So today we have kind of a spicy topic. I'm really excited about this one. This topic today is monogamy and passion. Is it possible? And you guys know that you've been listening to me for a while. This podcast is a lifestyle podcast. I'm open. Almost all the people in my world now have open relationships. And Scott, who you guys hear me talk about often, my partner, is very monogamous and monogamous-minded. And so it's taken half a year to get him on board with us playing and opening up our relationships. And And we talk a lot about this topic because I've had two marriages. Each of them lasted a decade. I was monogamous with each of them, and each of them were pretty passionless. The sex was definitely lacking. And so it led me to opening up my marriage. So Dora, tell us. Is marriage and passion synonymous? Is it possible for them to like play in the same sandbox? 
I do believe so, Jennifer. I was married for over 20 years in a monogamous relationship. And that was one of the highlights of my marriage. And to this day, I have told my ex that he was one of my best lovers. Mm. So it can it can happen. I think we need to be intentional about how we go about this. So I think the first thing listeners might be thinking is, if the sex was that great, why are you divorced? I think that I have discovered that there's a lot of other ways to connect with your partner. Mm-hmm. Like you can connect with them emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually. Mm-hmm. And if those are not there or they're not nourished, that disconnect can happen even if you have a great sex life. So it's not always all about the sex, but certainly sex is definitely a big part of our marriage, you know, and it was for a long time. I love that. And I think about the evolution of relationship and depending on like which erotic blueprint you are. So if you're a high sexual like me, sex is the top of the totem pole and it's like the hierarchy of needs. It's like at the top, maybe sometimes even above food. I'm like, I need this first, please. Then we can talk about how we feel energetically and like emotionally, how we're connecting. And so for, for me, that's how I operate. But I know like my partner is really high energetic and sensual and I have other friends that are very high kinky. And so for them, that's important. And I imagine as our, as our relationships mature, you're right. Sex isn't always the most important thing. Sometimes just having meaningful conversation or connection or just sitting together on a couch and holding hands while you watch Battlestar Galactica, which is what we did last night, that can sometimes move up your totem pole slash hierarchy of needs list to be more important because it's really intentional. Am I on the right track here? Yes. Yes. You're absolutely correct about that. Um, so unfortunately for us, um, the emotional connection was not a very strong as the years went by, mm. but we always kept our sex life interesting and fun. And um, like I said, we were intentional about it. And I was like, I'm more of a sensual and uh, energetic. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was all about the gourmet sex, not about not as much with the quickies. So it was always a big elaborate connection sexually. Okay. So talk to us more about this. Let's really dig in. So what I'm hearing you say is for you, it was important with your husband of two decades to when you did have sex to really have it be gourmet. And a lot of people listening might be like, what the heck is gourmet sex? I don't understand. I follow Kim Minami, So I think I understand. Like she does the three hour sex date challenges and stuff. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. It's about making time for sex because if you don't, it becomes at the bottom of the list as far as your, your to-do list. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one, make time for sex. Allow yourself for you and your partner to have that privacy and that time with each other. Um, I found myself, it was very easy for me to connect with him physically and sexually, and we would take our time. It was not a quick process. It was a slow, um, sensual connection. And it wasn't, you know, it just, it kept the flame going. Um, sexually anyway. Yeah. 
Hey there, I love to tell you about my Patreon account. So as many of you know, as things become more and more censored, it's harder for content creators like us to stay live on these amazing platforms like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. So what I've done is our spicier content now lives over on Patreon. We currently have some really fun episodes up, like how to give amazing blowjobs. I also just recorded and uploaded my night in a dungeon with a dominatrix. What can you expect? Weekly episodes and weekly content, some of it being sex ed, some of it being story and erotic telling, like I just did with my night in the dungeon, some of it being more podcasting where we have a guest on. So for an entry price right now of $5 per month, you can hop into my Patreon account and check it out. Check the show notes below for more information. Hope to see you there. Bye. Okay. I'm going to ask more personal questions and you can make up the answers. They don't have to be your specific scenario, <laughs> but if someone's listening, well, let me take a step back to give some context. I have had sex with male humans that thought 20 minute sex was like fantastic that that was it like that that was normal and 20 minute sex is not really very long especially if it's not just that's not penetration for 20 minutes it's right boob left boob bomb 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 bop it right like sad foreplay and probably no aftercare right and so if humans, I'll just use it, you know, gender neutral. If humans are listening to this and they're like, I don't, I still don't understand the concept of what gourmet sex might be. My sex life is 10 to 20 minutes once every other week. And like, I think that's okay. And that's normal. Can you give us an idea of like, what would you do on a sex night where you planned out gourmet sex? Walk us through it. I would say, like I said, because I'm a sensual person, uh-huh. it would definitely be about a lot of touch. Just It doesn't have to be sexual touch, but just a lot of caressing and being very slow and methodical about how you caress your, your partner's body mm-hmm. um, before you ever get to reaching and touching for his genitals, right? Um, but you can see the... Um, the interest, you can see the erection happening without you even going all into his, you know, touching his penis because he's aroused just from your touch mm. and just from your energy. And um, you would just take your time. Like there is this, and I wish I could remember the book that this lady uh, suggested that you caress your husband's or partner's body with your eyelashes. So (laughs) Mm. it's a very, I mean, very fine, sensual touch that you're feeling on your skin. If you imagine uh, closing and opening your eyes and just Mm. touching your eyelashes, um, because that just creates that sensuality, right? And the touch. So that was one suggestion. (laughs) I remember. Can I, can I make a comment to that one really quick? Sure. I was in therapy. This was the year before last when I was still married to my last husband. And I remember sitting in the polyamorous therapist's office with, with him. And she looks at him and she says, 
There's so many ways to make love to Jen throughout the day. You could do the dishes. You could fold the laundry. You could go to the grocery store. You could make dinner. Like all of these are ways that she's going to feel made love to. You could draw a bath for her. You could get out coconut oil and massage her body. She was like, but let's just start with a feather. If you mm-hmm. had one, it's the same as the eyelash. Mm-hmm. If you had one feather, like how long could you play with that on her body? How long could you explore every inch? Because one of the things that I talked about in therapy was like, he hasn't even seen all my nooks and crannies. Like he has not explored my body at all. And when it is happening, it's like in the dark under a cover and it, you know what I mean? Like, I remember this moment we were in the hot tub just like a month or two before we decided to get divorced. And he, and I put my foot up out of the water and he grabbed my foot and held it for a minute. And I was like, this is the first time you've ever touched my foot in eight years of being married. Eight years, Dora. So I understand the concept of the lashes. It's that really making love super slowly, like unlocking mm-hmm. all the senses. Correct. So freaking delicious. Okay, you keep going. Blind, you can blindfold them and have a even more different experience because he doesn't know what to expect or where you're going to touch or how he's going to feel. We're very high sensual like you are, and we have an entire drawer of sensual toys and yeah. an amazing eye mask that I will make sure and put in our show notes because even if you have lashes or you want to keep your eyes open, there's like this little area within the mask that you can actually open your flutter your eyes open if you want, if that yeah. makes you feel safer, which is kind of nice. Like it's really comfy. Okay. It's so we talked about different. lightly caressing with your lashes or with the feather. What else would you do to have gourmet sex? You could feed your partner, you know, feed him delicious little snacks, whether it's fruit or cheese or crackers or wine, you know, drink. Yes. Just it, like you said, all the senses, right? You want to mm-hmm. create the mood, the music, um, the velvety or, or the satin sheets, mm-hmm. um, the nice perfume, cologne or just a candle, right? That has mm. the smell to activate your your smell. And um, those are the kind of things I would I would incorporate. And it doesn't take much. Mm. Um, it's like I said, have your sex night date, play date, however you want to call it, and just plan it because it's not going to happen if you don't plan it. And I think that's how people get into this rut because Oh, you know, do I plan it? Does he plan it? And nothing happens, right? And then it just keeps, the abyss keeps growing and growing. Yeah. And couples end up sleeping in separate rooms, which I think is is sad. I feel like that's a delicate subject because I'm seeing a lot of posts on Facebook from people in my community that intentionally have separate bedrooms. So let's bookmark that and come back because I do want to talk about that. Sure. One of the other sex coaches that graduated from us, her name's Charlie McConnell. I think it's McConnell, Charlie. Um, and by the time this episode airs, hers will have already aired. So if you go back to around June 1st, she is intentional intimacy. 
And she's doing exactly what Dora's talking about, where you literally get your calendar out. I don't have a calendar near me, but I now do this with Scott every single month. And I am intentional about specific nights of intimacy for us. So here's what we have, Dora. We have a sexploration night, which is my favorite new thing to schedule. So some things this month that we're doing for sexploration. Last Saturday, we did Bear, B-A-R-E, book club, naked book reading. And it was freaking hot as shit. And then in two weeks, I have hot stone massage therapy class. Like it's a whole mm-hmm. night of sensual sensation and mood lighting and candles. And you get a kit with hot stones to take home and the mm-hmm. massage therapists get in there and teach you how to like sensually massage your partner with hot stones. I was like, this is amazing. Then we went to a, uh, a munch. And if you don't know what a munch is, anyone that's listening, if you're in the kinky community and you do like BDSM or you're a kinkster, you can get on things like FetLife. And there's munches where you go and you meet people and you get to talk about kinky shit that you like. And there's groups and meetups and all of that. And so we learned, I found a man there that does candle wax stuff, like for art on your back. And he teaches you as a couple how to create art with candle wax. And it's a very sensual experience. We've done shibari. So like, that's the first thing that every month is the first thing I put on. And sometimes we do more than one night because I get really excited. Like this month we have two or three things, but there's always one night of sex exploration and it's typically sensual related. So it's like, how can I get a new tool in my toolbox for us to play with? And the second night is a... I call it cock worship. She calls it lingam worship. You can call it man worship, whatever you want to call it. But like one person in the relationship, this obviously works for um, people in relationships with same sex, but one person gets their night and they get to say, this is what I want. And the other one, the woman gets to choose what she wants. And so for him, like for Scott, it might be, I just want to snuggle with you and watch a movie and have you scratch my back through the whole thing which I've done before. And I'm like, if that does it for you, I am happy to do that. For me, it's like, I want a three hour sex date. And here's <laughs> all the things that Dora just said that I want you to do to me. And then what is our last one that we do? The last one that Charlie does is some sort of like kinky night, or she recommended, like, if you're into that, that would be a great night for you to, I don't know, like, go to a sex club or go to a swinger club or go to something that like pushes your, again, this is my world, Dora, you can equate this to like what monogamous would do maybe, but like, how do you push the envelope and create sexual tension in your relationship? Just one night a month, that would be really fun. So I'm curious, like now that we've talked about calendaring it out, did you have a specific like rotation, like how often on your calendar, how did that work for you? Well, it all depended on our schedule, of course, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I was intentional about making sure that we had it, of course, two or three times a week. So if it was in his, you know, his schedule, then that's how it got planned out. Um, But like you said, you know, speaking to all the ladies out there, you know, we have so many roles, right? Mm. As a mother, you're either, you know, feeding your babies or you are taking care of the dog, you have a full-time job, you're like the 
the chauffeur for your teenagers, you know, taking them here and there, all these lessons. And then by the end of the day, you're like, you're, you're like literally exhausted. And of course your partner expects you to have some energy for him, but how do we do that? Right. When we, we don't prioritize it and make time for it. Oh, I thought you were going to give us like a secret hot tip. <laughs> well, what I would say is just going back, make time for sex. Make the time, schedule it in. Make I love that. It works time. great if you have like joint custody or you have some sort of partial custody where someone's taking your child away from you mm-hmm. uh, for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, other creative ideas are, you know, get a babysitter, ask grandma. Again, if you're planning a month or two out, that's really like what Dora's saying. It's really helpful because you can get your childcare coordinated. Depending on how old your teenagers are, you could also book a hotel room. I mean, I, I've I've done that for sex. Um, also, you know, if you're I don't know playing with someone that has another house, I don't know. Again, we're talking about monogamy, so I'm not sure how that would work, but make it happen. I, I see my neighbors and I work from home, but I see them sneak home in the middle of the day at lunch and they have a little hour long sesh together while the kids are at daycare. And I think that's genius. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, if you don't do something about, if you don't change what's, what's happening right in your bedroom, it's not going to happen unless you nope. make, make it happen. Uh, even if it's a small little change, um, I tell the ladies, you know, if you have a friend that has kids, you all swap when you're going to take care of her kids so that, you know, her and her partner can have an intimate night and vice versa. So it doesn't have to cost you anything. No. So. Freaking genius. Go join a mommy group if you have like little kids that need to be babysat. That is so smart. May I ask you a nurse question? Sure. I hear a lot about frequency of sex. And I'm curious from your perspective, because you actually are intimate with these women, like they're telling you about their lives and their sex lives. How often do people have sex normally? Like in general, if you had to bucket everybody into one bucket. I've had some women tell me they haven't had sex in six months and they have a partner. I've had, and I'm going, what? (laughs) What's going on here? And I've had women that tell me they have sex several times a day. Okay. So it's a big range. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Because what's coming up for me right now during this conversation, the shapeshifter blueprint in me is like, this sounds freaking delicious. And I should do more of this with Scott even like three nights a week of gourmet sex sounds fantastic. What I hear from his brain is, geez, Dora, three nights a a week, I got to have gourmet sex. That's like nine or 10 hours a week of having sex with my partner. And so I want to talk a little bit about, A, the importance of this, right? I mean, banging it out is fine. Like if you wake up in the morning and you got to take the kids to school and you have 15 minutes and you just want to connect, have at it. But I love this gourmet, this sex uh, topic. But as we're talking about like expanding capacity for your partner that needs this and wants this, or why is it good for the two of you to have this experience together? Can we talk about how to expand your capacity and how to make this something that you don't dread, but you really look forward to the connection, even though it does take a little extra time? So are you saying if your partner only wants cookies and you want to have the gourmet sex? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 
or your partner is like just really high energetic and they're not super, super sexual. And so they're kind of like, look, could we just like sit next to each other? <laughs> but you're high sexual and you're like, no, I really need like gourmet sex. Well, this is where you have to actually come to an agreement, right? Because it's all about the communication. What does he need? What do you need? Can you come to a middle ground mm-hmm. where you both are going to be satisfied with the results? So maybe if you can't have gourmet sex three times a week, maybe you have it at least once a week. And then all the other times it just happens sporadically or unplanned. So it doesn't have to be gourmet sex three times a week, but a lot of times couples don't even engage because, well, you know, he, he didn't take the first move or I need to make the first, you know what I mean? And you get in your head and you go, is he going to reject my move? Or, you know, or he didn't get your mood, <laughs> even though you were, you were thought he got your mood, but he didn't. <laughs> so those kind of things. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about mood? Do you remember in class when we had, I don't remember if it was Alexa or if it was someone else like Rachel that came to speak to us where they were talking to us about setting the mood in your bedroom. I think this was Alexa. Alexa Bowditch, by the way, is that sex chick. She's that's her handle on all platforms. And she was talking to us about how to set the mood in the bedroom. And one of the things that her and Jordan and our other friend, Rachel Maine and her husband do is they have a lighting system in the, in the bedroom. I don't know where you buy this lighting system. I don't know if it's like a Walmart or an Amazon thing, but you can change the colors. And I have a client right now that has, has this in their bedroom. And I was telling them, I'm like, did you know you can use your lighting system for sex or for intimacy or for don't touch me? I'm not in a great mood tonight. Heads up. And I love this idea that you guys just decide on what the colors mean. And then if you're not super vocal or you feel awkward asking for sex, you can just turn on the light to red if you're like, okay, can we get it on tonight? Or maybe you turn it to blue if you just kind of want to hang out and have a Netflix and chill night. Correct. I have this little light, this little bell. It's red. So when you want sex, you just ring it. (laughs) So that's hot. It's a fun little thing to have a little bell. It's like, I'm ready. Come on in. Do you think it's possible to have a passionate marriage without having at least frequent sex or to even the extent of gourmet sex? Like without it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Is it possible to have passionate a passionate marriage or a passionate partnership without frequent or gourmet sex? Is it possible? You're an RN. You've been around for a long time and you've seen these women and you've heard their stories with their partners. Is this really the secret sauce? Yes. In order to have a passionate marriage, you need to have sex and lots of it. Is having a passionate marriage the key to having a long marriage? I do believe so, because that human touch and connection that you experience with your partner, for me, it's a soulful exchange. Mm -hmm. And it's a very deep connection with your partner. And to me, it's a sacred union. And, you know, we are a temple and our bodies are spiritual. And so that connection with your loved one is just, it's one of a kind. And uh, I do believe it can be passionate. It doesn't have to be boring. Maybe this is a good point to go back to our bookmark, 
where we were talking about being in separate bedrooms. So like I said, I've seen several times in the last two months on my own social media feed, women under 35 saying my partner and I, or my husband and I have separate bedrooms. It's better for my sleep. It's better for my space. Um, there's one lady that I follow who I think might be around 45 and her and her husband just started doing that. Apparently he snores a lot or something. I'm curious, again, you're a nurse. So I feel like you have medical thoughts on this as well, but like, are there benefits to being in separate rooms or is it, is it more important that you share your space and your energy with your partner? Does that, does that keep closeness? I don't know. I'm going to just let you riff on that. Cause I'm not sure. So just because you have a separate bedrooms does not mean you cannot engage in sex. So there's two different things. People can actually have separate bedrooms and never connect sexually. Mm-hmm. And then there's couples that can be in a separate room sleeping, but they have their sexual interactions. So there's two different things there, right? And certainly if somebody has, you know, snoring issue, you know, for me, sleep is super important. <laughs> so if I don't get sleep, I'm going to be a grouch. So, and I can't think, um, mm-hmm. you know, as Same. effectively. So, <laughs> but go get a CPAP, like go have a sleep study done. It's okay. Yeah, that's true. And those things are so freaking quiet. Scott has one. And every night, if he doesn't put it on, I'm like, like last night, I was like, hey, baby, are you going to get back up for a little while? Or are you going to go to sleep with me? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm like, are you going to wear your mask, please? <laughs> There you go. And then he does. And I can't hear him all night. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I know of a sex coach. Uh, she's a relationship coach and they, she has her own bedroom. She just cannot sleep with somebody else in her bed. So they have a great marriage. So it's just because they're sleeping in separate beds does not mean they're not having sex. But for those patients, those women that are not having sex with their partner, I really wish they would come to talk to me <laughs> because. Go see Dora. It doesn't have to be that way. And no. certainly it's a very lonely place to be at. God, it feels like it. Okay. We did get some questions from some people that wrote in. And so sure. I want to ask you two questions before we wrap this up. This will be like, not firing squad. I, that does not sound right. Firing Q&A round? I don't know. Okay. First one, Dora. How do you fill the gaps when your partner isn't into something that you are into? I'm assuming this means sexually. So when we have um, disparities in that area, I think communication is super important. Um, You can definitely still communicate your needs to your partner. And sometimes maybe your partner is willing to play a little or dabble a little in that area until maybe he feels more comfortable or you feel more comfortable. Um, But it can happen. It's just a matter of um, communicating, communicating what your desires are or what you're not willing to try and vice versa with with your partner. So this specific person that asked is very kinky. And so I think her question is more like, look, if I'm into some really kinky shit, but the person that I am seeing or partnered or married to is not, is there any way to get over that? Or like, what should I do? I would say start with very small, um, kinky play, like, um, 
maybe you can start with maybe blindfolding him and creating a safe space where, you know, he knows that you're not going to do something that he doesn't approve of. But at the same time, he's experiencing a little bit of the, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next. Uh-huh. And then in just gradually change change the play. Um, you can also handcuff him. I mean, that's not a whole lot uh, until he feels comfortable with that. And perhaps later you can try well, spanking him and he can spank you or maybe he gets to play with you first in that kinky area so he knows what it feels to be on the other side. I like it. Okay. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. Dora. I feel like this is like Dear Abby. It's like, Nurse Dora, <laughs> how do you start having a sex life again when you and your husband have fallen into the rut of living like roommates? That's a, that's a more difficult question because it's going to take time because you have let that abyss grow and grow. And now it's awkward to even attempt to, to be um, sexual again, right? So that's going to require more time. But at the same time, tiny, tiny little steps to get back to the closeness and the intimacy, Um, whether it's just uh, hugging each other more often, holding each other, doing the eye gazing with each other, just to gradually ground yourself together with that other person so that you can feel like, okay, it's safe to be together again. Who knows what has happened to create that abyss? I mean, that's something that has to be uh, addressed, right? It just doesn't happen overnight. Mm, good advice. That is really crunchy. That's a really hard place to be in. Mm-hmm. I've been there before and it's not it's not easy, but you can do it. Okay, I think that's the end of our questions that we got. I'm so excited though to release this out into the world. Um, if you're listening and I haven't asked Dory yet, but typically I feel like she'll say yes. Typically I do a live, uh, on Instagram around the Friday and sometime around lunch of when this thing airs. So if you're listening and you're like, Oh my God, I have so many questions for Dora, just write them down and we'll publish the week that this is live when her and I are going to be able to get together and do a live so that you can bring more of your questions. Cause I feel like this is a really rich and deep conversation that just like an onion, you're just going to keep peeling back the layers. And you're like, but hold on. What about this? Or like, I have a question about that. So hang on to your questions and we're going to let you know when we're going to do our live. Dora, if people are listening to this and they're like, I love her, I need more of her. How do I get into her world? What would you say? You can reach out to me on the Facebook page. And I also have a group. Um, it's called Awakened Sexual Goddess. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can reach me there. Okay, perfect. So if you'll give me those links, I'll stick them in the show notes so people can just wander down there and click on your link. Um, your your Facebook group, I'm assuming, is it open to everybody or do they have to be in a program to be in it? No, it's open to everyone. Okay, perfect. So you guys stop when you're done listening to this or watching this, go follow Dora and then go join her Facebook group. I'm going to be joining it today. So hopefully I'll see you in there. And Dora, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really fun and kind of spicy topic that we've never had before. No, I appreciate it, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm glad I could share.